Did your heart just beat? Okay, then praise God. Join us in prayer and fellowship in the name of Jesus. We would love to pray with you and for you in faith. God is an amazing God. His word lasts forever, and I believe you will be blessed as we all fellowship in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we continue on in the book of Philippians, um, we're in the final chapter of the book of Philippians, chapter 4, and I call this podcast Joy in Knowing Christ. Um, you know, we, we, we see Paul, he's starting out, obviously he's in prison. It's, a, uh, it's strange that a man in prison will be telling a church to rejoice. Um, but Paul's attitude teaches us it's important that our inner attitude do not have to reflect our outward, you know, our outward circumstance or what we're going through. Um, Paul was full of joy because he knew that no matter what happened to him, Jesus Christ was with him and within him. You see, several times in his letter, uh, Paul urged the Philippian church to be joyful. Obviously, each chapter, I broke down how joy is what Paul was talking about. Um, because they needed it. They needed to hear this. It's easy, you know, we, we, we see it's easy to get discouraged or, you know, upset about certain circumstances or what we're going through. Um, that, I mean, that we, that it's not, it's not really, it's unimportant. I mean, to take it seriously, really. Um, think about if we haven't been joyful lately, Think about that. What we may not be looking at life from the right perspective because God is joy. I mean, I, we really need to think about that. Me, myself included. You know, ultimately, joy comes from Christ dwelling within us. Christ is near, and at His second coming, we see His final purpose for us. We we see that. We see. We we read it. We know that what's going to happen. But we are to be gentle, you know, reasonable, fair-minded um, to those outside of our church. We are, are not to just fellowship with believers, but also to reach out to others who don't know Christ and give them the same joy that we have because we know Jesus. Um, you know, like like gentleness. Um, I mean, that that's... Jesus was was very gentle with everyone, believers and non-believers, but he was still bold with what he knew, you know. And, and so imagine never being anxious. I mean, I want to think about that. Imagine never to be anxious about anything, as the scripture says. It seemed like it's an it, it seemed like it, it's impossible to do. We all have worries. You know, we all have jobs. We all have homes, whatever the case may be at school or whatever. We all have worry before. But Paul's advice is to turn worry into prayer. I mean, do we all, obviously we all want to worry less. So what should we do? Pray more. Whenever we start to worry, we should stop what we're doing and just pray. And then we'll, we'll see God's peace is different from the world's peace. You know that, I mean, this is talked about in John uh, 14, 27, you know, that true peace is not found in, in positive thinking, in absence of conflict or in good, in good feelings. It comes from knowing that God is in control. God is over everything. You know, we are citizens in Christ, in his kingdom, in heaven, and our destiny is already set. And we have 
victory over sin, over, over demonic attacks, over Satan. We have victory over all that. So we need to let God's peace guard our hearts against anxiety um, and worry and, and things that we can't fix. We just have to literally give it to God because we can't do anything on our own. You see, we, we put... What we put into our minds determines what comes out of our, you know, comes out of our, our words and actions. But Paul says this. He says basically to program our minds with thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, um, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. The one thing I, I think about all the time is do I have problems with impure thoughts? throughout the day and, and and I need to examine what I'm putting into my mind throughout you know television internet books conversation movies or, or stuff like that that we do because it's like what we put in is what we can get out you know if we put in if we're doing harmful we're putting in harmful material into our mind or we're watching just crazy stuff we're going to get crazy stuff coming out of us because we're, we're now opening ourselves up, but it's not, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's what we need to do, though, is ask God to help us focus our mind on what is good and pure. Yes, it takes practice. It's not nothing that's just going to be an overnight thing. And that's something that I have to tell myself, my wife, my family. I have to remind us that, too. It's, it's something that is, is not going to happen overnight, but we have to work at. We don't become great at what we do hobbies or our career or whatever the case may be overnight it takes work and it's the same thing with with christ once we found christ it took work for us to change our ways and and stop sinning or looking at stuff differently um but it's it's not enough to hear the word or read the word of god and to know it well but we have to Put it also into practice. That's that's one thing that I tell our children, tell our family. Like, yes, you guys heard the word, but what are you guys going to do with the word? It me and I remind myself of that as well. Um, how easy it's to listen to a sermon and then we forget what the preacher talked about. We 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 know that we go to church on a Sunday and by eight o'clock Sunday night we forgot what the preacher was talking about. How easy is it to us to read the Bible and not think about? How to live differently. That's one thing that I I really sat and, and I prayed with God. I talked with him and I said, God, let me read your word and break it down sentence by sentence. I'm a I'm a person that learns more by seeing instead of reading. But for me to sit down and read through the Bible and, and, and like it was I was talking to my wife. It was just it felt so good because honestly, Reading through the Bible and understanding it is the first book that I've read completely from cover to cover. And, and that was huge for me because I sat down and I prayed for God to focus my mind, focus on what I need to do. I'm a person that's I'm all over the place and I really have to focus on something for it to get done. That was a huge task for me. But because I know Christ, I know Jesus, and I know how his spirit works. That was my dedication to him. That was me putting that into practice, saying, okay, 
God gave me this mind. God gave me my thoughts, and I can focus on something. I can focus on what I want to focus on. Let me focus on something that's going to help my soul, and that's reading his word and understanding it. Um, but I mean, but like, like I said, we have to think about how we can live differently. How easy it is, uh, is it for us to, you know, go back and forth about what a passage means, but then don't live it out once we know the meaning of it. You know, exposure to God's word is not enough. Knowing God's word, hearing God's word is not enough. It's also, it, it has to be an obedience of it. We have to follow it. Um, looking at uh, verse 10, um, I, th I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul wrote that he didn't accept the church. He didn't accept money from the church. He didn't accept gifts from the church of Corinthians because he didn't want them to think that, you know, he's just preaching only to, to, to get, get some money or to get a certain status. But Paul maintained that it was like the church's responsibility to support God's work, God's ministry. And, and so like the church of Philippians, he said, you know what? I, I don't even, you guys gave to me and I, I never even expected, it. I didn't want it. But the church of Corinthians, they, they gave thinking that he, this is what he wanted. He's like, no, that, that's not it. I'm doing it because I want to do God's work. You know, he accepted the Philippians gift because they gave it willingly because he was in need. That's why they gave. He had a need. Paul was in prison and he, they, the people of Philippi sent people there to comfort him, to be with him because he had a need. He needed something. He needed someone to be there to comfort him as well. And I, I mean, I just want to think about like contentment. Are we content in any circumstances that we face? You know, Paul knew how to be content, whether, like he said, whether if I have plenty or whether if I have nothing, you know, I, I have known how to struggle and I've known how not to struggle, but through it all, I'm leaning on the Lord. I'm leaning on Christ's power for strength. You know, we have, we all have great needs, but we don't have to, we, we don't have to have a, a want is not a need. That's, that's what I meant to say. And so we rely on, we learn to rely on God's promises and Christ's power to help us be content. You know, it always, we always want, we, we will always want more, but we have to ask God to, God, take that greed, that selfishness, that desire for more away from us. We have to teach ourselves to be content in every circumstance where like, like Paul said, whether if I have many or whether if I have a little, but God knows everything and he's supplying all of our needs by, you know, in the way of knowing what is best for us. I mean, he knows what's best for us. That's why he gives us or he, he won't give something because he knows how we are. He created us. So think about that as the precious gift for knowing Christ. And, and like uh, thinking about chapter 4, you know, 12 and 13, I'm, I'm just going through as I'm reading the scripture, I'm just going through some notes. Paul was content because he could see life from God's point, point of view. He focused on what was what he was supposed to do. Not what, what he felt or what he should, like what he should do. He felt, he looked at what he's supposed to do. And, and Paul had his priorities straight. And he was very grateful for everything God has given him. But Paul also had to detach himself 
if you if you think about it from this non value added things that that he had paul was literally sitting in prison so he really didn't have too much of anything but he still detached himself from his own thinking that's one thing that you, you don't have any i mean I, i've never been in prison but i'm sure you don't have too much of you don't have too many resources so the one resource that he had was his mind but he detached himself from that because his mind can get corrupted but he kept god's word and god's eyes what his view, what God's view was for his life in him, in his mind. That's what he thought about. So he took himself out of the equation and said, what can I do while I'm in prison to help the people of God? And so he wrote this letter to the church of Philippi, the people of Philippi, to, to basically to say, listen, you can still have joy in your circumstance. You can still have joy because you know Christ no matter what you're going through. And we, we, we really can't do everything. We, we can't. We really can't. But the power of God, like, like 413, the power of God is within us that we can do all things through Christ. So we, we can't do certain stuff. We can't move or shake or drive out demons without knowing Christ, without having that. We can say, yes, we can say Jesus name, but you still have to know Christ because we, we, we read about the man that tried to that to try to drive out demons and the demon said, now I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? That person right there was not a person that truly, truly know Christ. That person was probably dabbling on the fence, hot and cold. He was lukewarm, living with the world, then trying not to be with the world. But it's, it's literally we have to be sold out for Christ. So like, like I said, um. We must commit to, you know, we, we're going to face challenges that that arise from our commit commitment to doing what Christ wants us to do. I mean, that's just evident. Like me and my wife was talking we was just talking about as we elevate higher in Christ, the tax will elevate as well. I mean, that's 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 really it's, it's not necessarily a cat and mouse game, but the more we know about Jesus the more we're going to get attacked or opposed from Satan, opposition from Satan. We're going to get, you know, spiritually attacked more or we're going to get, you know, demons, more demons in the house or whatever the case may be or just our mind or health or whatever the case may be will be attacked. But we have faith and we can face our troubles and trials as they come with the strength of Christ. We have to ask Christ to give us the strength. For I for I for Philippians 4:13, we know that scripture. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So we can't fight and and drive out demons without the strength of God. I mean it, that's that's what it is. And and so we moving on, you know. We have to look at things differently. We have to look at things like 15. Um, verse 15, it talks about what makes, basically what makes money so magnetic and giving it away so stressful. Think about that. Money measures our, our status. It represents our day-to-day -day security. But giving money away 
puts our work and our futures at risk. Think about that. If we if we give money, now I'm not saying every charity deserves, you know, your our attention, but we're wise to you know scrutinize missionary uh, you know appeals as well. But once we determine how that protects the honor of the Lord or how this is working for God, then yes, we shouldn't hold back and we should give generously. But everything, just because we're giving, doesn't mean we're going to get blessed. We can give out of selfish ambition. You know, and, and like like the Philip, Philip people of uh, Philippi, the Philippians, you know, they gave joyfully because they seen how Paul was blessing them and and how they needed help and how they needed revival or whatever the case. They needed the spirit of the Lord there. So they gave generously to help Paul and his ministry. And so when we give to those in need, there's not only benefit to the receiver, but it's also benefit to us as well because we're a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And it is not that, the, you know, the Philippians gift, but their spirit of love that they was giving. You know, that, that's what Paul appreciated the most was their, their love, not the, not the gift. The gift was good, but from their heart, he's seen from their heart that this is truly love that they're giving me. And so when we give to those, you know, like I said, when we give to those, we have to look at our heart, not just, the, well, I know God loves a giver, so I'm going to give everything I got, so I'm going to get everything back. That's, that's not how we should look at it as, because that's a selfish giver right there. Give unconditionally, even if you don't give it back. God sees that you're doing his work. You're helping out someone in need. And so like like Paul was not referring to, you know, a sin, you know, a sin offering. He wasn't he wasn't saying, OK, thank you for giving for the sin that you have done. No, he was thanking the offering, you know, like he said, a fragrant offering of acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. You know, that's that goes back to. Uh, Leviticus uh, 7, I think it's 12 through 15, you know, contain instructions, instructions of, of thankful, thankful giving, thankful offerings, you, you know, and they had they didn't offer. They had not offered sacrifices according to the Old Testament law, but they were well acquainted with, you know, pagan rituals and offering sacrifices. But it was they were not and they were not Jewish people. But they were more Roman Christians, Greek and Roman Christians, giving the way that God said to give. And so that's where it's like, wow, it wasn't just giving just to give. You know, we can we can trust God always to meet our needs. You know, whenever we we have a need here on earth, he will always supply it, even if it is to, you know, courage, you know, face of death. If, if we have to, even if we have to, you know, perish for the for the love of Christ. Just as Paul did, whatever we need in heaven, he will supply. And we must remember that the difference between our wants and our needs, most people want to feel good and avoid, you know, pain or, you know, suffering. But sometimes we may need, we may need to feel that pain or that suffering for Christ to truly come into us for us or for us to be 100 and trust Christ. As we should trust Christ. Think about Job. I go back to the book of Job so much because he had no clue as to why he was suffering. But in, he did question God a lot. But he went back to 
like saying, okay, if this is your will, we have good days and bad days. I can't just accept the good, but I must accept the bad too because it's still all your will. And so that's what I want us to think about. I want us to think about how the joy in every situation, what we're going through, stressors that, that gets brought up or you know, anxiety or worrying or whatever the case may be that we go through, that there's still joy in it because Christ is still with us. We are with, not without Christ. We are still with Christ no matter what we're going through. And I know the world may look at it as, I mean, I even look at it sometimes when I'm going through a trial or tribulation as, I don't want this, obviously, I don't want this, but it's just like the worst thing ever. And I don't know what to do. But God is saying, you're a minister. You have my word. You know that you're going to come through this stronger on the other end but the right now you saying you don't know what to do you know exactly what to do get your butt on your knees and pray get in that prayer room read my word and 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 so that's and, and satan he will try to have us blind have to put the blinders on over us to think that this is the worst this is the worst there ever is um this is the worst situation. I'm worrying. I'm stressing. I got all of this going on and work and kids and uh, I don't know what to do. But it's just like God is saying, I am still here. My word still stands. Love never fails. Pray without ceasing. The situation or circumstance will get better. And even if it don't, here on earth, this isn't, this isn't the final stop. So if you live a lifetime of hell on earth, knowing that I, I, I got a mansion in heaven for me. So I, I wanted to just, you know, break down the book of Philippians, maybe help somebody out with understanding the book of Philippians a little bit more. I call them, I call the book of Philippians the book of joy because Paul gives joy through everything. All four chapters, he's just speaking on joy, even through trials and tribulations or glorifying God or serving or giving. He's speaking about joy. And he was in jail talking to the church about joy. Bound in chains, thrown in a cold cell, talking about joy. That's one thing that we forget about. Like Paul really went through a whole he went through more than what we will ever go through in life shipwrecked multiple times beaten and he and it was just like i still got joy because i'm suffering for christ i'm suffering for christ so that's joy right there they hated him so they're going to hate me they persecuted him so they're going to persecute me he went through this i i know i'm going to go through this because i'm made in his image but through it all i still have joy so as we conclude this chapter, this book of Philippians and on joy, I just hope that a perspective, a different outlook, a different change of different view on the book of Philippians and in our circumstances or in our day to day lives, that this has blessed somebody. Um, it really has truly blessed me because I sat down and I really went through the book of Philippians. Like I said, I really went through it verse by verse and I broke it down into each chapter and I just truly hope that the grace of the Lord 
Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Just like with Paul, that's Paul's final, you know, verse in the book of Philippians. I just pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that his spirit is with us. Because through everything, we know Christ and we know that we have to be the light in the darkness. So if we, if we are, if we have the grace and the love of Christ within us, we can do all things. Just like Philippians 4.13 says, and that's, that might be just giving the word to someone, explaining a verse to someone, encouraging someone, sharing in, in pain with someone. And letting them know that God still sees everything. God knows what you're going through and he can heal you. Just being an encourager or helper. Just giving somebody a little bit of joy. So I appreciate you. And we conclude this, uh, this breakdown of the book of Philippians. And I just hope that there's a different outcome or perspective that was found for not only for this book, but for the word of God and for going through circumstances. Did your heart just beat? Okay, then praise God. Join us in prayer and fellowship in the name of Jesus. We would love to pray with you and for you in faith. God is an amazing God. His word lasts forever. And I believe you will be blessed as we all fellowship in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we continue on in the book of Philippians, um, we're in the final chapter of the book of Philippians, chapter four, and I call this podcast Joy in Knowing Christ. Um, you know, we, we, we see Paul, he's starting out, obviously he's in prison. It's, a, uh, it's strange that a man in prison will be telling a church to rejoice, um, but Paul's attitude teaches us it's important that our inner attitude do not have to reflect our outward, you know, our outward circumstance or what we're going through. Um, Paul was full of joy because he knew that no matter what happened to him, Jesus Christ was with him and within him. You see, several times in his letter, uh, Paul urged the Philippian church to be joyful. Obviously, each chapter, I broke down how joy is what Paul was talking about. Um, because they needed it. They needed to hear this. It's easy, you know, we, we, we see it's easy to get discouraged or, you know, upset about certain circumstances or what we're going through. Um, that, I mean, that we, that it's not, it's not really, it's unimportant. I mean, to take it seriously, really. Um, think about if we haven't been joyful lately, Think about that. What we may not be looking at life from the right perspective because God is joy. I mean, I, we really need to think about that. Me, myself included. You know, ultimately, joy comes from Christ dwelling within us. Christ is near, and at His second coming, we see His final purpose for us. We we see that. We see. We we read it. We know that what's going to happen. But we are to be gentle, you know, reasonable, fair-minded um, to those outside of our church. We are, are not to just fellowship with believers, but also to reach out to others who don't know Christ and give them the same joy that we have because we know Jesus. Um, 
you know, like like gentleness. Um, I mean, that that's Jesus was was very gentle with everyone, believers and non-believers, but he was still bold with what he knew, you know. And, and so imagine never being anxious. I mean, I want to think about that. Imagine never to be anxious about anything, as the scripture says. It seemed like it's an it, it seemed like it, it's impossible to do. We all have worries, you know, we all have jobs, we all have homes, whatever the case may be, at school, whatever, we all have worry before. But Paul's advice is to turn worry into prayer. I mean, do we all, obviously we all want to worry less, so what should we do? Pray more. Whenever we start to worry, we should stop what we're doing and just pray. And then we'll, we'll see God's peace is different from the world's peace. You know that, I mean, this is talked about in John uh 1427, you know, that true peace is not found in, in positive thinking, in absence of conflict or in good, in good feelings. It comes from knowing that God is in control. God is over everything. You know, we are citizens in Christ, in his kingdom, in heaven, and our destiny is already set. And we have victory over sin, over, over demonic attacks, over Satan. We have victory over all that. So we need to let God's peace guard our hearts against anxiety um, and worry and, and things that we can't fix. We just have to literally give it to God because we can't do anything on our own. You see, we, we put what we put into our minds determines what comes out of our you know, comes out of our, our words and actions. But Paul says this, he says, basically to program our minds with thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, um, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. The one thing I, I think about all the time is, do I have problems with impure thoughts throughout the day? And, 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 I need to examine what I'm putting into my mind throughout, you know, television, Internet, books, conversation, movies or, or stuff like that that we do, because it's like what we put in is what we can get out. You know, if we put in if we're doing harmful, we're putting in harmful material into our mind or we're watching just crazy stuff. We're going to get crazy stuff coming out of us because we're, we're now opening ourselves up. But it's not, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's what we need to do, though, is ask God to help us focus our mind on what is good and pure. Yes, it takes practice. It's not nothing that's just going to be an overnight thing. And that's something that I have to tell myself, my wife, my family. I have to remind us that, too. It's, it's something that is, is not going to happen overnight, but we have to work at. We don't become great at what we do hobbies or our career or whatever the case may be overnight it takes work and it's the same thing with with christ once we found christ it took work for us to change our ways and and stop sinning or looking at stuff differently um but it's it's not enough to hear the word or read the word of god and to know it well but we have to Put it also into practice. That's that's one thing that I tell our children, tell our family. Like, yes, you guys heard the word, but what are you guys going to do with the word? It me, and I remind myself of that as well. 
Um, how easy is it to listen to a sermon and then we forget what the preacher talked about? We, we, we know that. We go to church on a Sunday and by 8 o'clock Sunday night, we forgot what the preacher was talking about. How easy is it to us to read the Bible and not think about how to live differently? That's one thing that I, I really sat and, and I prayed with God. I talked with him and I said, God, let me read your word and break it down sentence by sentence. I'm a, I'm a person that learns more by seeing instead of reading. But for me to sit down and read through the Bible and, and, and like it was, I was talking to my wife, it was just, it felt so good because honestly, reading through the Bible and understanding it is the first book that I've read completely from cover to cover. And, and that was huge for me because I sat down and I prayed for God to focus my mind Focus on what I need to do. I'm a person that's, I'm all over the place. And I really have to focus on something for it to get done. That was a huge task for me. But because I know Christ, I know Jesus, and I know how his spirit works, that was my dedication to him. That was me putting that into practice, saying, okay, God gave me this mind. God gave me my thoughts, and I can focus on something. I can focus on what I want to focus on. Let me focus on something that's going to help my soul, and that's reading his word and understanding it. Um, but I mean, but like, like I said, we have to think about how we can live differently. How easy it is, uh, is it for us to, you know, go back and forth about what a passage means, but then don't live it out once we know the meaning of it. You know, exposure to God's word is not enough. Knowing God's word, hearing God's word is not enough. It's also it, it has to be an obedience of it. We have to follow it. Um, looking at uh, verse 10, um, I, th I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul wrote that he didn't accept the church. He didn't accept money from the church. He didn't accept gifts from the church of Corinthians because he didn't want them to think that, you know, he's just preaching only to, 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 get, to get some money or to get a certain status. But... Paul maintained that it was like the church's responsibility to support God's work, God's ministry. And, and so like the church of Philippians, he said, you know what? I, I don't even you guys gave to me and I, I never even expected. It. I didn't want it. But the church of Corinthians, they they gave thinking that he this is what he wanted. He's like, no, that, that's not it. I'm doing it because I want to do God's work. You know. He accepted the Philippians gift because they gave it willingly because he was in need. That's why they gave. He had a need. Paul was in prison and he, they, the people of Philippi sent people there to comfort him, to be with him because he had a need. He needed something. He needed someone to be there to comfort him as well. And I, I mean, I just want to think about like contentment are we content in any circumstances that we face you know paul knew how to be content whether like he said whether if i have plenty or whether if i have nothing you know i i have known how to struggle and i've known how not to struggle but through it all i'm leaning on the lord i'm leaning on christ's power for strength you know we have we all have great needs but we don't have to we, we don't have to have a, a want is not a need. That's, that's what I meant to say. And so 
we rely on, we learn to rely on God's promises and Christ's power to help us be content. You know, it always, we always want, we, we will always want more, but we have to ask God to, God, take that greed, that selfishness, that desire for more away from us. We have to teach ourselves to be content in every circumstance where, like, like Paul said, whether if I have many or whether if I have a little, but God knows everything and he's supplying all of our needs by, you know, in the way of knowing what is best for us. I mean, he knows what's best for us. That's why he gives us or he, he won't give something because he knows how we are. He created us. So think about that as the precious gift for knowing Christ. And, and like uh, thinking about chapter four, you know, 12 and 13, I'm, I'm just going through as I'm reading scripture, I'm just going through some notes. Paul was content because he could see life from God's point, point of view. He focused on what was what he was supposed to do. Not what what he felt or what he should like what he should do. He felt he looked at what he's supposed to do, and and Paul had his priorities straight, and he was very grateful for everything God has given him. But Paul also had to detach himself, if you, if you think about it, from this non-value added things that that he had. Paul was literally sitting in prison, so he really didn't have too much of anything. But he still detached himself from his own thinking that's one thing that you, you, you don't have any i mean I, i've never been in prison but i'm sure you don't have too much of you don't have too many resources so the one resource that he had was his mind but he detached himself from that because his mind can get corrupted but he kept god's word and god's eyes what his view what god's view was for his life in him in his mind, that's what he thought about. So he took himself out of the equation and said, what can I do while I'm in prison to help the people of God? And so he wrote this letter to the church of Philippi, the people of Philippi, to, to basically to say, listen, you can still have joy in your circumstance. You can still have joy because you know Christ no matter what you're going through. And we, we, we really can't do everything we, we can't we really can't but the power of god like, like 413 the power of god is within us that we can do all things through christ so we, we can't do certain stuff we can't move or shake or drive out demons without knowing christ without having that we can say yes we can say jesus name but you still have to know christ because we, we, we read about the man that tried to that to try to drive out demons and the demon said, now I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? That person right there was not a person that truly, truly know Christ. That person was probably dabbling on the fence, hot and cold. He was lukewarm, living with the world, then trying not to be with the world. But it's, it's literally, we have to be sold out for Christ. So like, like I said, um, we must commit to, you know, we, we're going to face challenges that, that arise from our commit, commitment to doing what Christ wants us to do. I mean, that's just evident. Like me and my wife was talking, we was just talking about as we elevate higher in Christ, the attacks will elevate as well. I mean, that's, that's, that's really, it's, it's not necessarily a cat and mouse game, but the more we know about Jesus the more we're going to get attacked or opposed from Satan, opposition from Satan. We're going to get, you know, 
spiritually attacked more or we're going to get, you know, demons, more demons in the house or whatever the case may be or just our mind or health or whatever the case may be will be attacked. But we have faith and we can face our troubles and trials as they come with the strength of Christ. We have to ask Christ to give us the strength. For I for I for Philippians 4:13, we know that scripture. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So, we can't fight and and drive out demons without the strength of God. I mean, it, that's that's what it is. And and so we moving on, you know, we have to look at things differently. We have to look at things like 15. Um, verse 15, it talks about what makes, basically what makes money so magnetic and giving it away so stressful. Think about that. Money measures our, our status. It represents our day-to-day -day security. But giving money away puts our work and our futures at risk. Think about that. If we if we give money, now I'm not saying every charity deserves, you know, your our attention. But we're wise to you know scrutinize missionary uh, you know appeals as well. But once we determine how that protects the honor of the Lord or how this is working for God, then yes. We shouldn't hold back and we should give generously. But everything, just because we're giving, doesn't mean we're going to get blessed. We can give out of selfish ambition. You know, and, and like like the Philip, Philip people of uh, Philippi, the Philippians, you know, they gave joyfully because they seen how Paul was blessing them and, and how they needed help and how they needed revival or Whatever the case, they needed the spirit of the Lord there. So they gave generously to help Paul and his ministry. And so when we give to those in need, there's not only benefit to the receiver, but it's also benefit to us as well because we're a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And it is not that, the, you know, the Philippians gift, but their spirit of love that they was giving. You know, that, that's what Paul appreciated the most was their, their love. Not the, not the gift. The gift was good, but from their heart, he's seen from their heart that this is truly love that they're giving me. And so when we give to those, you know, like I said, when we give to those, we have to look at our heart, not just, a, well, I know God loves a giver, so I'm going to give everything I got, so I'm going to get everything back. That's, that's not how we should look at it as, because that's a selfish giver right there. Give unconditionally. Even if you don't give it back, God sees that you're doing his work. You're helping out someone in need. And so like like Paul was not referring to, you know, a sin, you know, a sin offering. He wasn't he wasn't saying, OK, thank you for giving for the sin that you have done. No, he was thanking the offering, you know, like he said, a fragrant offering of acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. You know, that's that goes back to. Uh, Leviticus uh, 7, I think it's 12 through 15, you know, contain instructions, instructions of, of thankful, thankful giving, thankful offerings, you, you know, and 
they had they didn't offer they had not offered sacrifices according to the Old Testament law, but they were well acquainted with you know pagan rituals and offering sacrifices, but it was they were not and they were not Jewish people, but they were more Roman Christians, Greek and Roman Christians, giving the way that God said to give. And so that's where it's like, wow, it wasn't just giving just to give. You know, we can we can trust God always to meet our needs. You know, whenever we we have a need here on earth, he will always supply it, even if it is to, you know, courage, you know, face of death. If, if we have to, even if we have to, you know, perish for the for the love of Christ, just as Paul did, whatever we need in heaven, he will supply. And we must remember that. The difference between our wants and our needs, most people want to feel good and avoid, you know, pain or, you know, suffering. But sometimes we may need, we may need to feel that pain or that suffering for Christ to truly come into us for us or for us to be 100 and trust Christ as we should trust Christ. Think about Job. I go back to the book of Job so much because... He had no clue as to why he was suffering, but in, he did question God a lot, but he went back to like saying, okay, if this is your will, we have good days and bad days. I can't just accept the good, but I must accept the bad too, because it's still all your will. And so that's what I want us to think about. I want us to think about how... The joy in every situation, what we're going through, stressors that, that gets brought up or, you know, anxiety or worrying or whatever the case may be that we go through, that there's still joy in it because Christ is still with us. We are with, not without Christ. We are still with Christ no matter what we're going through. And I know the world may look at it as, I mean, I even look at it sometimes when I'm going through a trial or tribulation as, I don't want this, obviously, I don't want this. But it's just like the worst thing ever. And I don't know what to do. But God is saying, you're a minister. You have my word. You know that you're going to come through this stronger on the other end. But the right now, you're saying you don't know what to do. You know exactly what to do. Get your butt on your knees and pray. Get in that prayer room. Read my word. And and, and so that's, and, and Satan, he will try to, have us blind, had to put the blinders on over us to think that this is the worst. This is the worst there ever is. Um, this is the worst situation. I'm worrying. I'm stressing. I got all of this going on and work and kids and uh, I don't know what to do. But it's just like God is saying, I am still here. My word still stands. Love never fails. Pray without ceasing. The situation or circumstance will get better. And even if it don't, here on earth, this isn't your, this isn't the final stop. So if you live a lifetime of hell on earth, knowing that I, I, I got a mansion in heaven for me. So I, I wanted to just, you know, break down the book of Philippians, maybe help somebody out with understanding the book of Philippians a little bit more. I call them, I call the book of Philippians the book of joy because Paul gives joy through everything. All four chapters, he's just speaking on joy. 
even through trials and tribulations or glorifying God or serving or giving, he's speaking about joy. And he was in jail talking to the church about joy. Bound in chains, thrown in a cold cell, talking about joy. That's one thing that we forget about. Like Paul really went through a whole, he went through more than what we will ever go through in life. Shipwrecked multiple times, beaten, and he and it was just like, I still got joy because I'm suffering for Christ. I'm suffering for Christ. So that's joy right there. They hated him, so they're going to hate me. They persecuted him, so they're going to persecute me. He went through this. I, I know I'm going to go through this because I'm made in his image. But through it all, I still have joy. So as we conclude this chapter, this book of Philippians and on joy, I just hope that a perspective, a different outlook, a different change of different view on the book of Philippians and in our circumstances or in our day to day lives that this has blessed somebody. Um, it really has truly blessed me because I sat down and I really went through the book of Philippians. Like I said, I really went through it verse by verse and I broke it down into each chapter. And I just truly hope that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Just like with Paul, that's Paul's final you know, verse in the book of Philippians. I just pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that his spirit is with us. Because through everything, we know Christ and we know that we have to be the light in the darkness. So if we, if we are, if we have the grace and the love of Christ within us, we can do all things. Just like Philippians 4.13 says. And that's, that might be just giving the word to someone. Explaining a verse to someone. Encouraging someone. Sharing in, in pain with someone. And letting them know that God still sees everything. God knows what you're going through and he can heal you. Just being an encourager or helper. Just giving somebody a little bit of joy. So I appreciate you and we conclude this, uh, this breakdown of the book of Philippians. And I just hope that there's a different outcome or perspective that was found for not only for this book, but for the word of God and for going through circumstances. Did your heart just beat? Okay, then praise God. Join us in prayer and fellowship in the name of Jesus. We would love to pray with you and for you in faith. God is an amazing God. His word lasts forever. And I believe you will be blessed as we all fellowship in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we continue on in the book of Philippians, um, we're in the final chapter of the book of Philippians, chapter four. And I call this podcast Joy in Knowing Christ. Um, you know, we, we, we see Paul, he's starting out, obviously he's in prison. It's a uh, it's strange that a man in prison will be telling a church to rejoice. Um, but Paul's attitude teaches us it's important that our inner attitude do not have to reflect our outward, you know, our outward circumstance or what we're going through. Um, 
Paul was full of joy because he knew that no matter what happened to him, Jesus Christ was with him and within him. You see, several times in his letter, uh, Paul urged the Philippian church to be joyful. Obviously, each chapter, I broke down how joy is what Paul was talking about um, because they needed it. They needed to hear this. It's easy. You know, we, we, we see it's easy to get discouraged or, you know, upset about certain circumstances or what we're going through. Um, that I mean, that we that it's not it's not really it's unimportant. I mean, to take it seriously, really. Um, think about if we haven't been joyful lately. Think about that. What we may not be looking at life from the right perspective because God is joy. I mean, I, we really need to think about that. Me, myself included. You know, ultimately, joy comes from Christ dwelling within us. Christ is near, and at His second coming. We see his final purpose for us. We, we see that. We see, we, we read it. We know that what's going to happen, but we are to be gentle, you know, reasonable, fair-minded um, to those outside of our church. We are, are not to just fellowship with believers, but also to reach out to others who don't know Christ and give them the same joy that we have because we know Jesus. Um you know, like like gentleness. Um, I mean, that that's Jesus was was very gentle with everyone, believers and non-believers. But he was still bold with what he knew. You know, and and so imagine never being anxious. I mean, I want to think about that. Imagine never to be anxious about anything. As the scripture says, it seemed like it's an it, it seemed like it, it's impossible to do. We all have worries. You know, we all have jobs. We all have homes, whatever the case may be, at school, whatever. We all have worry before. But Paul's advice is to turn worry into prayer. I mean, do we all, obviously, we all want to worry less. So what should we do? Pray more. Whenever we start to worry, we should stop what we're doing and just pray. And then we'll, we'll see God's peace is different from the world's peace. You know that, I mean, this is talked about in John uh 1427, you know, that true peace is not found in in positive thinking, in absence of conflict or in good in good feelings. It comes from knowing that God is in control. God is over everything. You know, we are citizens in Christ, in his kingdom, in heaven, and our destiny is already set and we have victory over sin, over over demonic attacks, over Satan. We have victory over all that. So we need to let God's peace guard our hearts against anxiety um, and worry and, and things that we can't fix. We just have to literally give it to God because we can't do anything on our own. You see, we, we put what we put into our minds determines what comes out of our you know, comes out of our, our words and actions. But Paul says this, he says basically to program our minds with thoughts that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, um, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. The one thing I, I think about all the time is do I have problems with impure thoughts throughout the day? And, 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 I need to examine what I'm putting into my mind throughout, 
you know, television, internet, books, conversation, movies, or, or stuff like that that we do because it's like what we put in is what we can get out. You know, if we put in, if we're doing harmful, we're putting in harmful material into our mind or we're watching just crazy stuff, we're going to get crazy stuff coming out of us because we're, we're now opening ourselves up. But it's not, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's what we need to do, though, is ask God to help us focus our mind on what is good and pure. Yes, it takes practice. It's not nothing that's just going to be an overnight thing. And that's something that I have to tell myself, my wife, my family. I have to remind us that, too. It's, it's something that is, is not going to happen overnight, but we have to work at. We don't become great at what we do, hobbies or our career or whatever the case may be, overnight. It takes work. And it's the same thing with, with Christ. Once we found Christ, it took work for us to change our ways and, and stop sinning or looking at stuff differently. Um, but it's, it's not enough to hear the word or read the word of God and to know it well, but we have to put it also into practice. That's that's one thing that I tell our children, tell our family, like, yes, you guys heard the word, but what are you guys going to do with the word? It me, and I remind myself of that as well. Um, how easy it's to listen to a sermon and then we forget what the preacher talked about. We, we, we know that. We go to church on a Sunday and by 8 o'clock Sunday night, we forgot what the preacher was talking about. How easy is it us to read the Bible and not think about how to live differently? That's one thing that I I really sat and, and I prayed with God. I talked with him and I said, God, let me read your word and break it down sentence by sentence. I'm a, I'm a person that learns more by seeing instead of reading. But for me to sit down and read through the Bible and, and, and like it was, I was talking to my wife, it was just, it felt so good because honestly, reading through the Bible and understanding it is the first book that I've read completely from cover to cover. And, and that was huge for me because I sat down and I prayed for God to focus my mind, focus on what I need to do. I'm a person that's, I'm all over the place and I really have to focus on something for it to get done. That was a huge task for me, but because I know Christ, I know Jesus, and I know how his spirit works, that was my dedication to him. That was me putting that into practice, saying, okay, God gave me this mind, God gave me my thoughts, and I can focus on something. I can focus on what I want to focus on. Let me focus on something that's going to help my soul, and that's reading his word and understanding it. Um, but I mean, but like, like I said, we have to think about how we can live differently. How easy it is, uh, is it for us to, you know, go back and forth about what a passage means, but then don't live it out once we know the meaning of it. You know, exposure to God's word is not enough. Knowing God's word, hearing God's word is not enough. It's also, it, it has to be an obedience of it. We have to follow it. Um, looking at, uh, verse 10, um, I, th I think about first Corinthians chapter nine, Paul wrote that he didn't accept the church. He didn't accept money from the church. He didn't accept gifts from the church of Corinthians because 
he didn't want them to think that you know he's just preaching only to, to, to get get some money or to get a certain status but Paul maintained that it was like the church's responsibility to support God's work God's ministry and, and so like the church of Philippians he said you know what I, I don't even you guys gave to me and I, I never even expected it. I didn't want it but the church of Corinthians they they gave thinking that he this is what he wanted he's like no that, that's not it I'm doing it because I want to do God's work you know he accepted the Philippians gift because they gave it willingly because he was in need that's why they gave he had a need Paul was in prison and he they, the people of Philippi sent people there to comfort him to be with him because he had a need he needed something he needed someone to be there to comfort him as well and I, I mean I just want to think about like contentment are we content in any circumstances that we face you know Paul knew how to be content whether like he said whether if I have plenty or whether if I have nothing you know I, I have known how to struggle and I known how not to struggle but through it all I'm leaning on the Lord I'm leaning on Christ's power for strength you know we have we all have great needs but we don't have to we, we don't have to have a, a want is not a need. That's, that's what I meant to say. And so we rely on, we learn to rely on God's promises and Christ's power to help us be content. You know, it always, we always want, we, we will always want more. But we have to ask God to, God, take that greed, that selfishness, that desire for more away from us. We have to teach ourselves to be content in every circumstance. Where, like, like Paul said, whether if I have many or whether if I have a little. But God knows everything. And he's supplying all of our needs by, you know, in the way of knowing what is best for us. I mean, he knows what's best for us. That's why he gives us or he, he won't give something because he knows how we are. He created us. So think about that as the precious gift for knowing Christ. And, and like uh, thinking about chapter for you know 12 and 13 i'm just going through as i'm reading the scripture i'm just going through some notes paul was content because he could see life from god's point point of view he focused on what was what he was supposed to do not what what he felt or what he should like what he should do he felt he looked at what he's supposed to do and, and paul had his priority straight and he was very grateful for everything God has given him, but Paul also had to detach himself, if you, if you think about it, from this non-value-added things that, that he had. Paul was literally sitting in prison, so he really didn't have too much of anything, but he still detached himself from his own thinking. That's one thing that you, you don't have any. I mean, I, I've never been in prison, but I'm sure you don't have too much of, you don't have too many resources. So the one resource that he had was his mind, but he detached himself from that because his mind can get corrupted. But he kept God's word and God's eyes, what his view, what God's view was for his life in him, in his mind. That's what he thought about. So he took himself out of the equation and said, what can I do while I'm in prison to help the people of God? And so he wrote this letter to the church of Philippi, the people of Philippi. To, to basically to say, listen, you can still have joy 
in your circumstance. You can still have joy because you know Christ no matter what you're going through. And we 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 really can't do everything. We we can't. We really can't, but the power of God like like 413, the power of God is within us that we can do all things through Christ. So we, we can't do certain stuff. We can't move or shake or drive out demons without knowing Christ, without having that. We can say, yes, we can say Jesus name, but you still have to know Christ because we, we, we read about the man that tried to that to try to drive out demons. And the demon said, now I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? That person right there was not a person that truly, truly know Christ. That person was probably dabbling on the fence hot and cold he was lukewarm living with the world then trying not to be with the world but it's it's literally we have to be sold out for christ so like like i said um we must commit to you know we, we're going to face challenges that that arise from our commit commitment to doing what christ wants us to do i mean that's just evident like me and my wife was talking we was just talking about as we elevate higher in Christ, the attacks will elevate as well. I mean, that's 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 really, it's it's not necessarily a cat and mouse game, but the more we know about Jesus, the more we're going to get attacked or opposed from Satan, opposition from Satan. We're going to get, you know, spiritually attacked more, or we're going to get, you know demons more demons in the house or whatever the case may be or just our mind or health or whatever the case may be will be attacked but we have faith and we can face our troubles and trials as they come with the strength of Christ we have to ask Christ to give us the strength for I for I for Philippians 4:13 we know that scripture I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So we can't fight and and drive out demons without the strength of God. I mean, it, that's that's what it is. And and so we moving on, you know, we have to look at things differently. We have to look at things like 15. Um, verse 15, it talks about what makes basically what makes money so magnetic and giving it away so stressful think about that money measures our our status it represents our day-to-day -day security but giving money away puts our work and our futures at risk think about that if we if we give money now i'm not saying every charity deserves you know, your our attention, but we're wise to you know scrutinize missionary uh, you know appeals as well. But once we determine how that protects the honor of the Lord or how this is working for God, then yes, we shouldn't hold back and we should give generously. But everything just because we're giving doesn't mean we're going to get blessed. We can give out of selfish ambition, you know, and, and like. Like the Philip, Philip people of uh, Philippi, the Philippians, you know, they gave joyfully because they seen how Paul was blessing them and, and how they needed help and how they needed revival or, 
whatever the case, they needed the spirit of the Lord there. So they gave generously to help Paul and his ministry. And so when we give to those in need, there's not only benefit to the receiver, but it's also benefit to us as well because we're a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And it is not that, the, you know, the Philippians gift, but their spirit of love that they was giving. You know, that, that's what Paul appreciated the most was their, their love, not the, not the gift. The gift was good, but from their heart, he's seen from their heart that this is truly love that they're giving me. And so when we give to those, you know, like I said, when we give to those, we have to look at our heart, not just, a, well, I know God loves a giver, so I'm going to give everything I got, so I'm going to get everything back. That's, that's not how we should look at it as, because that's a selfish giver right there. Give unconditionally, even if you don't give it back. God sees that you're doing his work. You're helping out someone in need. And so like like Paul was not referring to, you know, a sin, you know, a sin offering. He wasn't he wasn't saying, OK, thank you for giving for the sin that you have done. No, he was thanking the offering, you know, like he said, a fragrant offering of acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. You know, that's that goes back to. Uh, Leviticus uh, 7, I think it's 12 through 15, you know, contain instructions, instructions of, of thankful, thankful giving, thankful offerings, you, you know, and they had they didn't offer. They had not offered sacrifices according to the Old Testament law, but they were well acquainted with, you know, pagan rituals and offering sacrifices. But it was they were not and they were not Jewish people. But they were more Roman Christians, Greek and Roman Christians, giving the way that God said to give. And so that's where it's like, wow, it wasn't just giving just to give. You know, we can we can trust God always to meet our needs. You know, whenever we we have a need here on earth, he will always supply it, even if it is to, you know, courage, you know, face of death. If, if we have to, even if we have to, you know, perish for the for the love of Christ. Just as Paul did, whatever we need in heaven, he will supply. And we must remember that the difference between our wants and our needs, most people want to feel good and avoid, you know, pain or, you know, suffering. But sometimes we may need, we may need to feel that pain or that suffering for Christ to truly come into us for us or for us to be 100 and trust Christ as we should trust Christ. Think about Job. I go back to the book of Job so much because he had no clue as to why he was suffering. But in, he did question God a lot. But he went back to like saying, okay, if this is your will, we have good days and bad days. I can't just accept the good, but I must accept the bad too because it's still all your will. And so that's what I want us to think about. I want us to think about how the joy in every situation, what we're going through, stressors that, that gets brought up or, you know, anxiety or worrying or whatever the case may be that we go through, that there's still joy in it because Christ is still with us. We are with, not without Christ. We are still with Christ no matter what we're going through. And I know the world may look at it as, I mean, I even look at it sometimes when I'm going through a trial or tribulation as I don't want this obviously I don't want this but it's just like the worst thing ever and I don't know what to do but God is saying you're a minister 
you have my word. You know that you're going to come through this stronger on the other end. But the right now, you saying you don't know what to do. You know exactly what to do. Get your butt on your knees and pray. Get in that prayer room. Read my word. And 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 so that's and, and Satan he will try to have us blind, have to put the blinders on over us to think that this is the worst. This is the worst there ever is. Um, this is the worst situation. I'm worrying. I'm stressing. I got all of this going on and work and kids and uh, I don't know what to do. But it's just like God is saying, I am still here. My word still stands. Love never fails. Pray without ceasing. The situation or circumstance will get better. And even if it don't, here on earth, this isn't, this isn't the final stop. So if you live a lifetime of hell on earth, knowing that I, I, I got a mansion in heaven for me. So I, I wanted to just, you know, break down the book of Philippians, maybe help somebody out with understanding the book of Philippians a little bit more. I call them, I call the book of Philippians the book of joy because Paul gives joy through everything. All four chapters, he's just speaking on joy, even through trials and tribulations or glorifying God or serving or giving. He's speaking about joy. And he was in jail talking to the church about joy. Bound in chains, thrown in a cold cell, talking about joy. That's one thing that we forget about. Like Paul really went through a whole he went through more than what we will ever go through in life shipwrecked multiple times beaten and he and it was just like I still got joy because I'm suffering for Christ I'm suffering for Christ so that's joy right there they hated him so they're going to hate me they persecuted him so they're going to persecute me he went through this I, I know I'm going to go through this because I'm made in his image but through it all I still have joy so as we conclude this chapter, this book of Philippians and on joy, I just hope that a perspective, a different outlook, a different change of different view on the book of Philippians and in our circumstances or in our day to day lives, that this has blessed somebody. Um, it really has truly blessed me because I sat down and I really went through the book of Philippians. Like I said, I really went through it verse by verse and I broke it down into each chapter and I just truly hope that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit just like with Paul that's Paul's final you know verse in the book of Philippians I just pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that his spirit is with us because through everything we know Christ and we know that we have to be the light in the darkness so if we if we are if we have the grace and the love of Christ within us, we can do all things, just like Philippians 4.13 says. And that's that might be just giving the word to someone, explaining a verse to someone, encouraging someone, sharing in, in pain with someone, and letting them know that God still sees everything. God knows what you're going through, and he can heal you. Just being an encourager or helper just giving somebody 
a little bit of joy. So I appreciate you. And we conclude this uh, this breakdown of the book of Philippians. And I just hope that there's a different outcome or perspective that was found for not only for this book, but for the word of God and for going through circumstances.